Blog Talk Radio. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to Veterinary Advice, Animal News, and Views. This is your host, Dr. Roger Welton, veterinarian, veterinary news network reporter, coming to you live this evening from the Florida Space Coast. A very good evening to all of you. A little bit of a different format for you this evening, folks. I wanted to do something a little bit different because of the fact that this is my last broadcast of 2010. And I uh, just want to start by immediately open up, opening up the phone lines. I'm just going to – I don't have an interview to do tonight. I just want to talk to you about a couple of things, a little wrap-up of the year, and just kind of offer some final thoughts. I slotted the show for 45 minutes, um, but it may not go that long, depending on whether or not we get any callers. Uh, sometimes you know one call can eat up 15 minutes, so I just want to leave ample time for you folks to give me a call if you would like to. The number is one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five. One eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five. Feel free to give me a call anytime. Uh, feel free to interrupt me. I'm going to go uh, go on ahead and, and uh, start talking about some of the things we wanted to bring up this evening. But again, feel free to call me anytime and offer your own comments, final thoughts for the year, questions, concerns, anything like that. Again, that number one last time: one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five. And just so you know, that is toll free. The call is on us. Um, it has, last time we spoke, we were talking about uh, Michael Vick last week, and uh, we had a wonderful interview, of course, uh, Dr. Teresa Goodson, the oncologist, giving us a lot of insight into the treatment of cancer medicine. And the featured story that night was Michael Vick uh, wanting to take the next step in his rehabilitation, quote-unquote, and was quoted in an article, uh, not uh, in an interview that he did, talking about his desire to adopt a dog. And he wanted to do this as part of his rehabilitation. And in the interview, he actually said, I think this will really show people where I'm coming from, that I really do care about animals, that I do want to make a difference, that I really do love animals. Uh, In the end, that uh, he was just viewing the fighting dogs in, in, in sort of a way that people will view their hunting dogs, that it was just accepted in, in, in the way that he was growing up around this sort of thing, and it just seemed like the normal thing to do. He didn't see anything wrong in it. Now he understands it's wrong. Now I guess he's got compassion, so he says, for these animals. And, and, and to his credit, has been working with local humane societies, saying all the right things, acting with a great deal of humility, despite having reascended to superstardom because of his play on the football field. So... Yeah, I just wanted to kind of put that out there and, and see how you guys felt about it. So we got a call last last week, and uh, the call was from Anne-Marie. Uh, Anne-Marie, of course, was on the show a couple of shows ago uh, talking about her uh, telling Greyhound Rescue, but this time around she had called with a comment on that. And, you know, before I actually really drew conclusions about the story, she 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 did make some interesting comments. And one of the things she did, which I really liked, was she, she actually quoted a Sports Illustrated article about some of the graphic uh, nature of the things they were doing to these dogs. And I won't get into that. You know, we try to be as positive as possible on this show. We want to definitely call out wrongdoing, but, you know, I don't want to revisit that. But she, she brought up some good points, and and really her conclusion was, her feeling was, that's kind of a slap in the face to, to, to those of us who really care. Um, for those of us who, who are still struggling with, trying to accept this guy back into the mainstream and be able to stomach the fact that uh, he is a superstar again that's probably going to be commanding 15, 16 million a year as a quarterback when he resigns next year. Um, you know, 
granted, everybody deserves a second chance. Um, that, that's what our system is based on. He did do his time. But still, uh, for a lot of us that, that really understand the tragedy of, of what he was involved in, as a as a as a kind of jolly sport for him and his his cronies, it's tough. It, it really is. And on one hand, I'm trying to be open minded, but on the other, it's like I, I say to myself sometimes, why does he deserve that kind of consideration? So, as far as you know, Anne Marie was concerned, she gave her opinion, and, and I do respect that. And I would have to say that first off, for him to get a dog, he would have to have appeal the court decision. Uh, because the court decision not only talked about him doing the time that he did and the fines that he paid and, and everything else that was involved, he also was banned from dog ownership for the rest of his life. So there would have to be an overturning of his ruling for that to happen. So I don't know if that's ever going to happen. I don't even know if it's possible. But say it were possible at some point. I mean, nobody thought he was going to be at this point uh, once again, where he was a superstar, actually considered a far better player than he was before his fall, and, and a better person, most people would say. Um, nobody foresaw this, so who knows? Maybe he will get this overturned, you know, because of good behavior and say he continues to do the right things. But my feeling is that, uh, first off, I, I'm not thrilled about his motives for wanting another dog. When he talks about his own rehabilitation, uh, the, the impression that I got was that his rehabilitation, quote-unquote, was more for himself, meaning his image, than it was for any sort of real rehabilitation to grow as a person. I think that by getting a dog, he just really wants to show everybody, look at this, see, look, I, I can love dogs too, I deserve your forgiveness. And I think he's really talking about more the continuation of the resurrection of his image more than really... You know, does he really want a dog? Who knows? I, I can't presume to know the man, and it's not fair for me to judge that, but I can tell you that from the wording and the context of the article that I read of this interview that he did, he had talked about it being part of his rehabilitation in that he could show people that he can be very loving. And I don't know. I, I just I, I don't like his motivation there, number one. I, I don't think necessarily that there would be any mistreatment of the dog. I, I think that the last place this guy wants to be is back where he was a couple of years ago. No career, no money, bankrupt and in jail. Um, but at the same token, I think it's a little bit of a slap in the face to people like me, for example, that um, I, I'm, I'm giving him the benefit of the doubt, uh, even though I don't know if he necessarily deserves it. I just have to believe in our system the best I can and and, and just – kind of go along with that notion that we all deserve a chance at redemption. Um, I mean, Ray Lewis is in the NFL, and he was involved possibly indirectly in the murder of somebody. And here he is, you know, 13 years after that incident. Um, so one way or another, he got out of it, and he's gone on to have a brilliant career. And, and many will say is a good person working with the Boys Club of America and all that sort of thing and, and preaching, uh, you know, young people, young boys to, to stay straight and fly right. So, you know, why doesn't Michael Vick deserve the same kind of opportunity? But, look, don't get a dog. I just don't – I don't think that, number one, the time is right. Uh, you've come this far, I think. <laughs> Let, let's not let's not push our luck here, um, number one. Number two, I, I don't think the motivation is sincere. Unfortunately, I don't. Maybe all his work with the Humane Society is. Maybe he does feel genuine remorse. But I just didn't get the impression that he really wants a dog for himself. So my feeling on the whole thing is, I, I'm okay with what's going on 
to date, and it took me a long time to, to deal with that, to reconcile that, to be able to look at the TV and see him on there and watching him get cheered for and not and not want to vomit. Um, I, I've come a lot further, but I, I think to see him with a dog um, and, and, and to see further sort of uh, kind of complete, and I don't want to say forgiveness, forgiveness isn't the right word, but, but, but sort of dismissal of, of really what he was guilty of and overturning that part of the conviction. Um, I, I don't know. I just don't think it is something that I would like to see. And I don't think it's something that a lot of people will like to see. But anyway, um, not, not to harp too much on that. I just wanted to sort of kind of go on and give you my conclusion. Cause I and Marie and I got in a pretty involved discussion there and, uh, uh we kind of ran out of time, but, um, the topic of the show. And, and again, before I kind of move on here, there, we are taking calls, you know, throughout this entire uh, broadcast tonight. So one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five one eight seven seven eight seven eight one four three five. But um, feel free to call me anytime. But the topic of the show tonight is is just kind of final thoughts of the year. Um, I like to take this time of year to just kind of look back and reflect on the year um, in many ways, in many areas of my life and where our country's going and things of that nature and, and where we see where we can do better in the year to come. And this has been a very, very tumultuous year for, for our country. It has been actually a very tumultuous couple of years, but this one seemed especially painful. And, you know, of course, what is the number one thing on everybody's mind? Economy, economy, economy. This is the worst economic recession, the worst economic downturn my generation certainly has ever seen. And by all accounts, it's the worst economic situation we've seen since the Great Depression. Of course, we have, we've all seen pictures of that. We've talked to our grandparents. We lived through it. And we knew how horrific that was with 25% unemployment and just all of the tragedy that uh, surrounded those events. Well, we didn't have it quite as bad this time around. And we're still not out of this thing, to be sure. But, it, you know, it. it um, I don't think there's anybody who could actually honestly say that they were unaffected by this recession. Now, in terms of the pet care industry, the interesting thing about the pet care industry and recessions is this is an actual stat. I saw this in a seminar at last year's uh, yearly veterinary conference in Orlando. They actually statistically kind of did a, a study and a look back on the veterinary industry and, and what happens during economic recessions. And since 1978 up until just before this particularly bad recession. So let's not we're not counting this recession, but every recession from 1978 up until about 2007, every recession, you know, and there was one every few years, every, you know, 3 4 or 5 years, um it's kind of the cyclical nature of things, well there will be a downturn and then a recovery and then, you know, a, a time of sort of unfettered prosperity and that's just a cycle of things, but the interesting thing about the veterinary industry is that this the the average growth of the industry now we're not talking a downturn the average growth of the industry during every recession in that time period was four percent so despite the fact that there has been many recessions from 1978 to 2007 there had been many many recessions um, the veterinary industry almost seemed virtually kind of unaffected by it and it made it kind of a very um, nice thing to hear because in 2000 uh, or I'm sorry last year when I was in the midst of hearing all this, uh, things were were very bad in the country, and, and as well you know they still are. But it, it was it was nice to know that there I was involved in an industry that seems to be um, the the quickest to recover, 
um, virtually unaffected through many recessions. And, you know, it gave me some confidence in, during a scary time that uh, my business was going to be able to survive this. Now, I purchased my animal hospital back in 2004. I'm still very much steeped in mortgages, uh, not just for the business, but also for the uh, real estate, the building and uh, the the property that the, the building sits on, as well as you know, a lot of equipment. I just I have a lot of mortgages, and that's sort of the nature of things when you buy an existing practice. And that will be the case for the next nine years or so. I still will be paying down mortgages. And that becomes a frightening prospect when you're in the midst of a very bad recession and you can just, the changes are palpable. So as far as the recession and my industry is concerned, what I want to talk about is some some sort of hard lessons that uh, we we should take away from this because it does seem uh, by all by all accounts that the the econo- the economy is becoming increasingly robust. It's not stellar right now. I don't want to say that, but it just seems to be getting better. Um, for example, three percent increase in holiday travel compared to last year. Um, as far as you know. Florida here, the tourism, very big time of year for the Disney parks. Well, that was down last year, you know, Disney, Universal, all the parks in Orlando. Um, that The attendance of those parks is up 30%, which is, of course, very good news for my area. But, um, you know, so, so when you see little signs of improvement and every time you turn on the TV, they're talking about economic improvement and, and it, it's, it, it is becoming increasingly clear that we are in the midst of recovery and there's every reason to be positive. There's still a lot of people hurting out there. And in regard to the pet industry, um, we definitely felt it this time around. In, in, in the case of my own hospital, there was no growth uh, from 2008 to 2009. In fact, uh, there was a loss of, of yearly gross revenue. And from 2009 to 2010, we saw sort of that recover a little bit, but not still not quite to the numbers we were doing back in 2008. And of course, frustrating for me that I have this business that I need to support. I have employees that I am responsible for. I have equipment that I want to always update and be as state-of-the-art as I can. But, you know, that that, that part, that business aspect is very frustrating. Um, and what, what, what I saw was that probably for the first time in my career, because I graduated in 2002, for the first time in my career, I actually saw that people just were not complying with a lot of the things I asked them to do, a lot of the tests I would ask to have run, a lot of the treatments that I recommended, um, the wellness, the general wellness care just just it, 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 I don't want to say it became non-existent. There was still a good core of people that were doing the general preventive wellness care, but oh my goodness, did that take a hit? A lot of people just kind of really tightening their belts with regard to the care of their pets. Um, as far as the discount uh, second-rate veterinary clinics, I'm sure you've seen them out there. There's a chain called Value Vet, I believe, and then there's the the pet mobiles that kind of visit the local pet smarts and pet co's, and there's even a some mobile camper that that shows up at uh, the local Walgreens here and at the, and and at CVS and stuff like that where that kind of pops out and does his thing pops your dog with you know 40 vaccines and you know that's the the discount wellness care and there's also a lot of these discount uh veterinary places they do spays and neuters as well and of course you know that I've called them second rate because there's a reason they can offer these things cheaper and I won't get into that too much but I'm seeing 
I was seeing in the past two years so much more of, of people utilizing that. People who I would never thought it would resort to that kind of care for their pets suddenly were using it. So what I found myself doing in the last year was, was really uh, being involved in, in, in treating sick animals where finally the, the hand was just forced to seek decent veterinary care. But, but even then, you know, my hand, I often went into these cases with one arm tied behind my back because people just didn't have the, the financial wherewithal to do what needed to be done. So very frustrating for me, very frustrating for you guys, I'm sure. And, uh, you know, on one hand, I sympathize. I truly do because, um, you know, I, I know what it's like to have less revenue. I had to live that a little bit. And, and what I went through isn't nearly as bad as what a lot of other people went through. Um, so I, I, I do feel for people that have to make the choice between, you know, quality wellness care for their, for their pets, um, doing the right thing as far as, following my recommendation with regard to, you know, diagnostics and treatments, uh, but, but, but not being able to do it because, you know, if they choose to do that, then they can't feed their kids this week. I mean, that's a horrible thing to face. And it's not something that was, you know, kind of you heard about it. You just saw it day in and day out. And it was just, it was sad to see and, and very, very, very frustrating. So yes, my sympathy is there, but at the same time, I think that a lot of people, um, learn some hard lessons, and I just want to review some of those lessons. Now, I just did my YouTube show about this, and, and I kind of you know got, got uh, touched on this a bit. And I know a lot of you, a lot of you that listen to me on Blog Talk Radio don't necessarily watch the YouTube show, and a lot of my YouTubers don't watch, don't listen to the Blog Talk Radio show. I don't know why. There seems to be a lot of territorialness regarding that. But whatever the case, um, if you have seen that YouTube show, of course, I'm not going to just you know, go over the whole thing verbatim, but I think it's important that all of my audience, my listeners here, my viewers at YouTube, the readers of my blog, understand that these lessons are hard lessons to be learned and ones you really need to live by. So let's first talk about the person that doesn't have much money and they go out and they buy they, they, they buy a, a English bulldog for $3,000. And not not only do they buy an English bulldog, they buy it at a pet store, all right? So by purchasing an English bulldog, first of all, even the most well-bred English bulldogs out there, you're talking about a very, very high-maintenance health breed. Lots of things go wrong with the bulldog. In fact, it is believed that whatever you spend on a bulldog, and usually it's going to be between two and $3,000, you're going to spend 10 times that much on veterinary care in the life of that of that animal because of all the things that go wrong with English Bulldogs. And look, if you're prepared to do it, lovely breed, wonderful temperaments, cool looking for sure. I love the breed, uh, but they come with a whole set of problems. And if you're not prepared financially to deal with those, you do not belong getting one of those. You really just don't. Uh, the other point there is, okay, okay, so you spent three grand on an English Bulldog, but, but you also bought it from a pet store, right? So now you have exponentially increased the likelihood that this is going to be an unhealthy animal because pet stores, of course, are most often selling puppies from puppy mills and puppy mill puppies are not well bred. They don't come from uh, good genetic stock. They're not ethically breeding these dogs. So, you know, they don't care what kind of diseases mom and dad have breed, 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 breed away and keep buying our dogs. And that's just kind of the nature of the industry. So there you are. You've got a pet store dog that's going to, you know, most likely be unhealthy to begin with. And you also have an English bulldog now that has a very high probability of being unhealthy as a breed. Not a good combination, ladies and gentlemen, right? 
then here's what happens. These health problems start to occur, and then person with the English bulldog comes to see me and doesn't have any money to do anything about it. And look, I can't work for free. As I told you, the industry was down the last couple of years. For me to work for free just doesn't work, and I'm not going to accept payments because in this economic atmosphere, and actually before it, people have proven time and again that they waffle on payments, and I end up with an accounts receivable going through the roof. And that's not a good way to run a business. So, no, I'm not going to work for free. Okay. But I also don't want to hear your complaints that you, you, you blew $3,000 on a dog that you can't afford a nickel to treat. So, lesson one, don't buy from pet stores. Lesson two, if money is tight, do not adopt a breed that has a known reputation to have a lot of health problems. If money is tight, ladies and gentlemen, the best thing to do is adopt the mutt from the pound. They are free. They come with vaccines. They are already fixed. They are infectious disease tested, and with the genetic variety that a mixed breed dog brings, because most of what we're talking about is a mud at the pound, that dog will most likely be healthy for most of its life. The healthiest dog I've ever had is my mutt, Lulu. Let me knock on wood on that one, but Lulu has had virtually no health problems. I've had to clean her teeth twice. That's it. Healthy dog because she's a mutt. She's my pound dog. I love her to pieces, um, and she hasn't cost me much at all. That said, you know, I talk about that lesson, and God, lo and behold, and I posted that video just this past weekend, and lo and behold, uh, a lady comes in yesterday, and she, she's, a, she's a good lady. She's, she, she's got a wonderful family, and I, I do really like this person, and I, I don't want to think or speak ill of her, but especially because the, the last couple of dogs that she's had were indeed rescue dogs that she um, – you know, she she made the extra effort to uh, to 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 go out, and her passion is German Shepherd. So she goes out and goes through the the pure breed pet rescues, and ends up with these dogs that, for a little adoption fee, she's got dogs that she can afford. And she was living within her means and was able to do the little things I asked her to do here and there to maintain them well. And she did the best she could. Well, yesterday she comes in. She's got this um, little cute little German Shepherd puppy now and she says to me you know what I usually rescue I go for rescue because that's what I can afford but it's been so long since I've had the joy of having a puppy and you just don't find puppies on rescue and um, I just went for it it may not be the best idea but you know when you live paycheck to paycheck you just you do the best you can I just wanted to go for this this time around so I'm thinking to myself I heard two things (laughs) Paycheck to paycheck is one of them. I also heard the other, that the rescue dogs were within her means, yet she decided to now go for this puppy. Now, German Shepherds, very much like English Bulldogs, maybe not quite as bad, are known for a plethora of problems. Hip dysplasia, elbow dysplasia, cardiomyopathies, retinal disease of the eyes, um, all kinds of different cancers. I mean, I I could sit here and, and... keep naming the diseases that that German Shepherds are predisposed to. And God bless her. I hope none of this happens. I really do. I don't wish any ill on her. But, you know, someone who I consider a pretty savvy uh, owner and client and and somebody that I really respect um, even made a a potentially bad decision here. Luckily, I examined the puppy and it seems healthy, but, you know, a lot of congenital things don't arise until as late as two years of age. And I just hope she doesn't have the misfortune of coming across stuff that she can't afford. Her rescue cases, she's gotten already as adult dogs, and if they had problems, they were all disclosed. 
And typically with an adult dog, if they're 18 to 24 months or older, uh, congenital things, most of them has, have surfaced uh, by then. So you know what you're getting yourself into. Um, but, but I just was pretty amazed that, you know, here I am talking about getting a pet that was within your means and, and not just a couple of days later, somebody marches right in my office, a good, smart client, uh, you know, just not heeding that at all whatsoever. Um, and it's it, it's unfortunate, and we hope that doesn't come back to bite her. Uh, the the other thing that I that I see though, and the other thing I talked about was people keeping a number of pets that they can't afford. So, you know, let, let's all talk. You know, we we're all aware of. And I don't want to insult anybody out there, but the crazy cat lady. You know, there there's a character on The Simpsons. <laughs> I'm sure everybody's aware of that you have this this woman who just you know she's she's homeless and she's insane and she's constantly has like 40 cats around her and when she's angry she throws them at people <laughs> she's <laughs> she's a crazy cat lady anyway um you know these people want to adopt you know 10 15 20 cats right but they don't have the means to even care for one or two of them correctly and as a result instead of having one or two decently cared for cats and I'm not talking just cats there's people who collect dogs too but 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 you just see it, this phenomenon more in cats for some reason, right? So instead of having a couple well-cared-for, decently-cared-for cats, you have 20 very poorly-cared-for cats. And these folks will come in, and they don't even do the general wellness care because they can't afford it for all those cats. They're not even doing flea and tick preventive. Imagine buying Advantage or Frontline for 20 cats, 20 doses per month. You just can't do it unless you're Daddy Warbucks. Right, so they they come in only when the cats are very ill, and 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 even then, you know, they they really can't afford much. So there there I am trying to manage illness without really having the ability to do any sort of meaningful diagnostics, and uh, again practicing medicine with one arm tied behind my back, and uh, there's just no need for it. So lesson two there is, you know, keep the number of I'm sorry, lesson three, <laughs> keep the number of pets that you can afford. Um, if, you, if you can only afford to care for one, then, then you have one. If you can afford to care for two, then keep two. But but if you find that just keeping up with general wellness care is a struggle or something that you're not able to do because you have so many animals, folks, it's time to find homes for as many as you can and cull yourself down to a level that you can afford because you're not doing the animals any justice that way. So let's move on to the next topic here, and that's, that's you know, more lessons to be learned here, and we're going to go on. There's six here total. Um, one, one particular point that a lot of people are not aware of is that the pet health care, the level of health care for pets in Europe is, is generally much higher than in the United States. And what we hear from our veterinary veterinarian counterparts over in Europe is that they are a lot less frustrated than we are. They don't run into so many of the problems of, okay, we need to do A, B, and C, uh, diagnostics, and we need to treat with um, you know, this, this, and that to begin to stabilize your pet or, or get ourselves on the road to recovery. This is the best thing. And, and, and you just find a lot less frustration from them um, and, and people being able to afford the proper workups and treatments that need to be done. 
And uh, it's not because they have socialized medicine or universal health care like they do for people. They don't have that for pets over there. And it's certainly not because they're any more wealthy than we are. They're in the midst of their own horrific recession. So that's not the case. Here's the single most pertinent reason why the level of pet health care is better in Europe is because 50% of European pet owners own pet insurance, while only 3% 3% in comparison of U.S. pet owners carry pet insurance. Now, of course, not all pet insurance are created equal, and some are better than others, and of course, you know, it's not my job here to tell you what's good and what's bad, but I can I can know a few that I would say my clients ask me, what do you think of this one? Have you heard of this one? And I'll give them my two cents that I get from feedback from other people. But make no mistake, ladies and gentlemen, reputable pet insurance companies offer very helpful medical reimbursement policies for your pets for, in most cases, quite reasonable monthly premiums. And the way it works is, you know, one of the things I really like about it is it doesn't affect me whatsoever because what happens is in most of these programs, you pay your fees and then within 30 to 60 days, you get reimbursed a certain percentage of it. In many cases, it's 75 to 80 percent. So, you know, lesson four is if treating a costly injury or illness to your pet may be something that you either cannot afford or put your family in financial distress, please do yourself a favor and your family and your pet a favor. Seek out quality, reputable pet insurance. There's a lot of good ones out there. Again, no one's sending me a check to sit to sit here and tout anyone. Ask your veterinarian. I'm sure he, she is aware of a few good ones. And I keep brochures in my own office for ones that I feel have done right by the customers, by my clients. And, uh, you know, make no mistake, it is a good idea. So consider that. Let's get that percentage higher. You know, uh, there, there's no reason why we sh- there, should be, there should not be more than 3% of pet owners carrying pet insurance. So, you know, let, let, let's kind of move on to another a, a little example. And before I, I move on, I've just been kind of yakking here for a little while. Let me just go ahead and put out that call-in number, the, our toll-free call-in number if you have any comments about anything I'm talking about or any questions uh, this evening, any final thoughts for the year yourself that you would like to offer, one 878 1435 Once again, that's one 878 1435 A couple of weeks ago, ladies and gentlemen, the uh, this dog came in to see me, and he was a hound dog, and he was about seven years old, so not too old, but God, this dog looked terrible. He just looked emaciated. He was coughing. He just looked God awful. Now, this dog had never been seen by a veterinarian. So this you know, this dog is, is, is gasping for air, he's coughing, he looks emaciated, and now I'm seeing him for the first time. He'd never had any uh general wellness preventive care. He was never put on heartworm preventive, he had never received any vaccines, he'd never been so much as examined by a veterinarian. Um and there we were at seven years old, this dog is just deathly deathly ill. And I examine him and I take a couple chest x-rays and um, do some heartworm screening. And lo and behold, we find out that the dog's in right-sided heart failure uh, because of severe heartworm. Uh, this dog came up strong positive for heartworm. And, and who knows how many how many uh, years he's been living with this. But whatever the case, the prognosis, even if I had the opportunity to break out the gold standard of care, which would be actually this was so bad, um, the general heartworm treatment that I would normally do in my office was not appropriate. This dog would need 24-hour um, intensive care while he was treated for the heartworms. He would need the expertise of a cardiologist, so I would have had to refer that one out. 
Um, owners, of course, could barely afford the workup that we were doing in my office, and they had no choice because the dog was suffering and they didn't have the means to do right by him in terms of where he needed to go healthcare-wise. We had to humanely put him to sleep. To be fair, I did tell them that even with the – if they could afford the top-notch uh, medical care for this dog – Still, the prognosis was 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 pretty guarded. Um, I didn't even know if he'd make it to his eighth birthday, to be honest with you. And that's what the gold standard of care. So the fact that they didn't invest thousands, you know, into trying to treat this dog, I, I certainly don't fault them for that, uh, given the guarded prognosis. And, and of course, they had no choice uh, because they couldn't afford the gold standard of care. They had to put him to sleep. There was just it was not right to keep this dog alive. Um, so he was put to sleep. Now the, the lesson I want everybody to take from this is that. Keep up with your general wellness care as mandated by your veterinarian as best as you can. It's not a place where you want to skimp on cost if you can truly avoid it. Spending a little bit today on some decent preventive care like heartworm screening and heartworm preventive on your dog, for example, can prevent a tragic expensive illness later. On the side of cats, feline leukemia, very common, deadly retrovirus, so preventable, ladies and gentlemen, with just a simple vaccine, 90 Eight, 99% preventable with a simple vaccine, yet cats come in, they haven't been seen by a vet all their lives, and they're you know, very sick, they're feline leukemia positive, and there's nothing I can do for them. Um, had those cats been kept up with yearly wellness care, got their feline leukemia vaccines, tragedies can be averted, um, and, and that's a very important lesson there. Um, so my final lesson uh, has to do with the, uh, my hospital sponsoring a rescue fund for the treatment of life-threatening conditions and the pets of people who found themselves in financial hard times and can't afford the life-saving treatment. Now, this funding comes from private donations that clients put in the collection box. It sits right there on my counter. And from ra- waiting room candy machines, we have M&M's, Skittles, and Reese's Pieces. And ironically, this is very interesting, and this is, this is very important. I really want you to listen up here. The donation box and candy sales have actually increased as a result of the recession. So those who are still doing well enough, what that tells me is they're actually more inclined to give to help the less fortunate than when times were better. To date, the Tiffany Fund, which I named after my beloved deceased Labrador retriever, the death of which I'm still not over and probably never will be, um, Tiffany Fund has saved the lives of 12 animals and counting. And more than saving these precious lives, ladies and gentlemen, the fund has saved families and individuals from devastating personal loss. So lesson six, folks, and this is the most important lesson of the day, more than anything I've talked about today. If you are doing well, give to those who are not. Help those who have less than you do. One good deed can not only fix an immediate wrong, but it can go so far as to restore the recipient's faith in humanity and in life in general. Because, folks, when times are bad, faith, hope, and goodwill are infectious, and in tough times, we cannot spread enough. And that is the most important lesson that I have taken from this year, that if you can give, give. Uh, because now, now is a time more than ever uh, that, that if, if you're well off, you really should help others who are not, um, especially this time of year. Um, as far as uh, the, the phone queue is concerned, uh, there's nobody on the board. So we just had a bunch of listeners today, and that's okay, folks. I, I appreciate the fact that you tune in to listen to me every week. As I said, this is my last broadcast of 
my last live broadcast of 2010. And I will be returning January 5th. I'm going to have a holistic veterinarian on talking about omega-3 fatty acids and their health benefits, among other things. And uh, if that interview goes well, I would like to have this holistic vet on, you know, a few more times in in 2011. So I'm very excited about that, and I will be posting that upcoming episode uh, on the show page as well as the blog shortly here. And I'd like to thank all of you, my loyal audience, for taking the time to listen to me this entire year. Lord knows you got plenty of other better things that you could be doing, yet you, uh, thousands of you, uh, listen to me every week. And I really do appreciate uh, the fact that you take the time to hear what I have to say. I wish all of you and your pets peace, love, and happiness during these holidays and abundance in the new year to come. I want all of you to take heart in knowing that if times are tough for you right now, it looks like a better day is looming. We're getting there. Things are turning around. We're going to do better. Um, I, I can I can see it in people's attitudes. Of course, we hear it on the news. They like to tell us when when or when we shouldn't be spending or when to be worried. <laughs> but um, I, I will tell you that, uh, you know, in my in my 36 years now that I've been living, I you know I, I I've, I've seen our country go through some some difficult times, and and you can just kind of feel when it's palpable in the atmosphere that a better day is looming, and a better day is looming right around the corner. So I will, again, resume with all new episodes the first week of January 2011. January 5th will be my first show of the new year. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, farewell and best of luck to you. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.